A Bible is going to be opened up to the book of Second Peter. I'll encourage you to join me there. We'll be in that passage together here in just a moment. Second Peter chapter 1. I'm going to start down here on the floor. I want us to think about when we consider passages written in the New Testament, especially epistles, and our mindset is the final words of someone. Well, where does our mind always go? Well, for me, and probably for a lot of you, it goes to the book of Second Timothy, where we have the Apostle Paul, who, who has written a, a majority of the epistles that we have in the New Testament. He's written the most of them. We have so much information on Paul. We have so much of his writings. We have so much of his story in the book of Acts. I mean, there's so much of his life is given to us in the pages of the New Testament. We get insight of, of some moments in his life and difficult times and difficult things he had to go through, things that he was thinking about, and then, of course, the letters that he shares and how personal they are and how compassionate and how heartfelt they are. We know that he had so many difficult things to contend with and to deal with. And what really makes a book like Second Timothy interesting is that when you read that book, it is clear you're reading some of, if not the final words that Paul is penning. There's an urgency in the book. And there's really an urgency in the book of 1 Timothy as well, but in the book of 2 Timothy, it is written with an incredible sense of urgency as he's writing this letter to this young preacher, and he is telling him and urging him to preach the word with confidence, to stand firm on the truth, to be encouraging and to be out there in front of it. And you get to the end of that book, and he makes that point. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time for me is at end. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown. And we read that passage, and, and we're, we get an insight, and we, we think about it, and we say, what an incredible moment. A man at the very end of his life is able to, to go at it with incredible confidence and as we read that last letter, you're reading some of those final words, and it just carries weight. But we forget that really isn't the only letter that we have in the New Testament that carries with it a finality in the way it's written. Peter is a pretty significant figure in the pages of the New Testament. He did not write as many epistles that we have as Paul did. We do have First and Second Peter, but we do have a, a huge piece of his story in the pages of the Gospels. We know a lot about him. We feel connected to him as we read his story. And as he writes his epistles, especially the one that we're going to talk about for a minute tonight, Second Peter, it too reads with some finality that lends itself to some urgency. If you've got a Bible handy, I'll direct your attention to a couple of passages that will help us. The very beginning of that in the book of 2 Peter in chapter 1, in verse 14, for instance, 
The wording is different, but the sentimentality is very much the same. As Peter is writing in his epistle, he, he makes this proclamation. And maybe a better way is he makes this acknowledgement. He makes this acknowledgement known. And he says there in verse 14, knowing, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me, making the point that there is a time, a time that's coming shortly where this life that I'm living right now is going to be over. And so he's writing these words, he's writing with urgency. And so we take a step back and we start to think, well, what's 2 Peter all about? What is he urging? It's easy to see in 2 Timothy what he's urging, right? Paul is writing to that young evangelist, and it is preach the word. Do so with confidence. Do so in season and out of season. Don't let the circumstances affect you and the way that you proclaim the truth. Very easy to get that sense. But it's just as easy in the book of 2 Peter. The sense of the urgency there, because he closes his book with it. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, you have that concluding statement that everything in that book is given to us like, and he says, here's what I'm looking for. This is what I'm urging. This is my admonition. Grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If I am to leave anything with you, this is what I want to leave grow. That should make sense to us because probably the most well-known passage in the book of 2 Peter is all about growth. It's this passage here in 2 Peter chapter 1. It's a passage I love. I mean, I love it. I love this passage and I love it because it is so easy to picture in your mind. It is so easy to picture as he he gives it to us in a way that is very simple and in a way that is easy to follow. And it is something that you can put into your mind and something that you can understand. Where he says, you've got to grow, you've got to add these things. And the more that you add, the higher that you can go, the more growth that you have. The wider your base is, the stronger your growth will be. And so he says that base of faith, you add these things to that and allow your faith to grow. And the more that your faith grows, the stronger and higher that you can grow as a Christian. It's easy for us to understand. We've all built towers in some capacity before, or we've, our children have pulled out blocks and they've built a tower, and it's always how high can we go before it falls over. You figure it out very quickly. If you can build some sort of base, it helps you to get some height. That's the picture that we have here. And one goes on top of the other and goes on top of the other and goes on top of the other. And it's so simple and it's so easy. You have that base of faith, and you add to that virtue, just that desire to do what's right. You've got to have, I want to be right. I want to be righteous. I want to be virtuous. That is the idea. I want to be right. And then you add to that desire to be right virtue. You add to that knowledge. Not just that I want to be right. I've got to know what the right thing is. Right, I've got to know what the right thing is. So that makes good sense. And then we add to that self-control. Now I, I want to be right. I know what the right thing is. Now I've got to mold my life. I've got to control myself to fit what that right thing is. What I have 
gained in my knowledge and in my virtue. But as each and, us, each and every one of us knows, as we grow, as we control ourselves, the world pushes and prods and tries to knock us over, and it takes an incredible amount of perseverance, an incredible amount of godliness and love. It's an incredible picture. One that maybe in the future we'll spend some time on, but not tonight. Here's what I want us to do tonight. I want us not to forget these words, because we're going to read this text here in a moment. You know, a lot of times we go through this passage, and that's where all of our time is spent. Let's talk about these things. Let's define what virtue is. And let's go through Scripture and find all of the people who had incredible virtue. And then we're going to move on. Let's define knowledge. Let's really talk about that. And we'll go to other passages that will accentuate that knowledge. And let's talk about self-control. And we'll go to other passages. And there's good things to come from lessons like that. And there's good things to come maybe even from your own personal study to do that. And maybe this week would be a good time to do some of that study as this passage is fresh on our minds. But what we're going to do tonight is we're going to read this text in 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning of verse 1, down through verse 10. And I want you to be looking for two things. I'd love for you to find a lot of those yourself as we read. I'm going to give them to you as we go. But I want you to look for the how, and I want you to look for the why. How do we build ourselves up? How do we grow? This is the picture of growth given in these words. But how do we do that? And then secondly, why do we do that? I think both of those answers are given in this text. So let's read it together. I want you to be looking for those. I want you to be thinking about the how and the why as we read this text together, and then we're going to talk about the how and the why here in just a moment. Let's read it together. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning of verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now here's the part we're familiar with, 5 through 7. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure 
For if you do these things, you will never stumble. We'll finish the sentence, verse 11. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So a lot of that is probably pieces that you're familiar with. Maybe the whole passage isn't. But did you take notice of those two things? This is here for sure. This is what we're going for. This is what we're building. This is what growth looks like. But how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, the answer to that question is given in this. I want to direct your attention to some words that are important here that help us with the how. And the first word is knowledge. Now, you may begin to say, I thought you're not going to go through the words that are given to us. And I'm not because the word knowledge is found not just at the outset in the midst of this text, but it's given throughout the text. It's given to us in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. It's made mention again in verse 3, after things pertaining to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us. And again, in verse 8, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, it's made mention as well in verse 5 when we're adding these things together, but it's a key component to what Second Peter is all about. Do you remember what he wrote at the very end in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18? Well, what's the reason? Why is there an urgency in what he is writing? What is he looking? He's looking for growth. And a big piece of that growth is knowledge. But a biblical definition of that word, specifically in the Greek, helps us a lot more than the way we use the word mostly today. You see, the way that we use the word mostly today, knowledge or knowing something, is just usually some intellectual awareness of something. A lot of times it can be surface level kinds of things. I know about something. I have a modicum of knowledge, we may say, or a minimal amount of knowledge about whatever topic that we may have. Um, there she is. I was looking for Abby for a second. You were sitting over here. I know you love it when I call your name out like this. Did you write down modicum of knowledge? You need to write that one down and look it up. Abby and I have been having a conversation. I'm an old person. She's starting to notice. And she's like, man, you use a lot of words that we don't use. And she's really been pointing those things out. So, for instance, this weekend I used the word uh, incredulous. And she was like, what is that? I need to use that. So she's been big on incredulous. And I also dumped on her an old word for rumor or gossip when I was asking her from school about one of her classes, and I said, hey, get, what's going on in that class? Give me the scuttlebutt. What's the scuttlebutt going on? And she's like, what? I'm like, you know, the tea, as the young people would say, right? The gossip. And she's like, I never heard of that. And I'm like, you need, to, you need to be hearing it. You need to write these words down. But that's where we are. Let's think about that, knowledge. It, it isn't just that level awareness, intellectual awareness. The Greek word is defined this, to become thoroughly acquainted with. Now, does that sound some surface-level intellectual awareness of something? That doesn't sound like that to me. You see, when we read biblically about coming to the knowledge of God, or more useful, the phrase, knowing God. 
so much more than an intellectual surface level awareness of God, who he is, and maybe some things that he has done. That's not knowing God biblically. Knowing God biblically is this idea of being thoroughly acquainted with. It is talking about a relationship that we have. And it is a word that Peter uses over and over and over again in his short letter. Just in these few verses that we've read four different times, he uses the word. That tells me it's important. And so he says, listen, when we're thinking about how we do that, how how do we build? How do we build strength? How how do we build structure? How do we build maturity? How, How do we grow? All of those things are things that we want. We want to do all of those things. So how do you do that? Well, one way that you make sure that that is happening and one way to make sure that you're doing that is you make sure you're getting closer to God. You focus on your relationship with him. You take steps towards him. You open up his word and you study it, not to gain intellectual knowledge about God, but you open up his word to gain God. That's what the Bible is all about. It's about building a relationship because it's what God wants. You see, God wants a relationship with us so badly He doesn't want a relationship with us just for a few decades that we live here. He wants a relationship with us for eternity. No time frame. He wants a relationship with us for that length of time. How bad does he want a relationship with us? He sacrificed his son to make sure that happens. This book that we have opened up in our laps It is a book to make sure we can get closer to God. He has given us everything to make that happen. And so if you want to get closer to God, take a step. Take a step. Maybe that's in your study. Maybe that's in your prayer life. Take a step. Maybe that's in your meditation about God and who he is. Take a step. Maybe that's in your sharing him with the people around you. Take that step. Maybe it's an understanding that I can do this. I can be at work and seemingly no one else around me loving God. I can be holy in an atmosphere like that at work, at school. I can be holy in that atmosphere because I've got God right here next to me. Take a step in that understanding. You start to take those steps and man, the growth that can occur in minds and desires like that. So how do we do that? Listen, we've got to grow in our knowledge. That's a word that I see. Here's another word that I see throughout this passage. Abound. Look at verse 8. For if these things are yours, that's after the listing of all these things, right? That's after the listing of all these things. The important word in that sentence is that word abound. Because it's not just that you have a piece of these things. That's that's not the key. Having some or a little bit of these things. He says you've got to have these things and they 
need to abound. That's the New King James word that I have here. And the parentheses on the top is other translations in the way that they use, whether it be New American Standard or the English Standard. They use phrases like this, that these things are yours and increasing, or the more you grow in these things. So the idea is not just I have a little bit of this and a little bit of this and a little bit of this and a little bit of this from time to time and that equals monumental spiritual growth. That's not 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 is I have faith and it is abounding. 2 Peter chapter 1, I have virtue and it is overflowing. I I have knowledge and I'm building and building and building. My self-control is exploding. That's 2 Peter chapter 1. That's what growth is. These things must be yours and abound. Maybe I should have put this one first. Uh, before abound, but the third word is this idea of adding. Maybe your translation uses supply or supplement. The original Greek, I didn't put that up here, but the original Greek is the idea of to support a chorus or to keep in tune, that these things are working together. They're working together to stay in that music land. They're working together in harmony. Each of these is necessary. Each of these is necessary. There's not maybe add or you can add. It is you add these things. You must have faith. You must have virtue. You must have knowledge. You must have self-control. You must have perseverance. You must have godliness. You must have brotherly kindness, and you must have love. You, you, we've got to add all of these things because those things need the other one. We've got to be focusing on all of these things. This is not one of those passages where the preacher is going to stand up here, and at the end, there are other passages where we can do this, and John and I various times have done that. Not tonight. It's not going to be one of those times where I'll point to this passage, and I'll point to this picture up here, and I'll end with, now I want you to pick out one of those. Pick out one of those and really focus on that one moving forward. I'm not going to do that, because again, that's how Second Peter chapter 1. I'm going to end with this. Pick all of these and focus on them this week. That's Second Peter chapter 1. Not pick one of these. You pick all of these because we can't leave any of them behind. They must all be added and they must be all abounding. That's how we grow. And then finally on the how, the word diligence. Diligence. We see it a couple of different times. Well, it's in verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add these things. And towards the end of it, verse 10, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. It's a phrase I love. I've been preaching here long enough, and a lot of you have heard me enough to know I love the expressive words. (laughs) I love the -the over-the-top words. 
And it doesn't get more over the top than even more diligent. I mean, it almost doesn't even work, right? It almost doesn't even work because diligence is already all that there is. And you you have other translations. I think most other English translations will use, instead of the word diligence that I have here, make every effort, which is a phrase I love. I love that. I love that idea. Make every effort. And so in that word is an earnestness. In that word is zeal. In that word is urgency. In that word is haste. And that makes sense. Going to the very end of the book, to grow in the knowledge of Jesus requires great effort. And then lastly on that point, because of that, it also tells me that these things abounding does not happen by accident. You do not trip into an abundance of self-control. It takes every effort to develop that. You, You do not wake up one day and before you had no brotherly kindness and now on Monday you are just bubbling with brotherly kindness. It takes every effort to bubble with brotherly kindness. Almost did myself a disservice with too many bees right there. Those things don't happen by accident. That's why a word like this is used, diligent. God isn't holding anything back from us. He is not showcasing to us something that he hasn't told us ahead of time. He wants to have an incredible relationship with us. He he wants our growth to be something, to be measurable. He wants all of those things, but at the same time, it takes diligence to make sure that that takes place. So number one, the how. As we close the why. We we see these things, verses 5 through 7, but also in this text that we've read, we also see the why. Why are we doing this? Why are we growing in the knowledge of Jesus? Why, Why grow? Why mature? Peter also tells us that. He gives us three things to consider. And the first is this, verse 9. If we don't grow, we're short-sighted, forgetful. Verse 9 is interesting because I think we we lose sight of the end of this verse. Because it's one of those pieces that we don't want to think we could ever get to. So look at it again. Verse 9, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness. Well, we understand that. Well, we understand even Jesus in, in, in various times he made mention of the blind, leading the blind, not being able to see where we're going. It being short-sighted is your, your vision, your hope then is going to be affected by that. Your vision is going to be affected by that. You are more apt to stumble and fall by the obstacles that are placed in our way if we are blind and we're, we're walking in the darkness. I mean, all kinds of analogies are given to us in the New Testament, really in Scripture, that helps us to see that. And we don't want to be that. We don't want to be walking around blind. We don't want to be walking around short-sighted. We, we, don't want, to be, we want to be able to see clearly. 
We want to be able to have the lights on. We want to be able to walk in the light, not in the dark. So we can see to walk around all the pitfalls and obstacles that the world throws at us. We understand that. But the end of this verse is the the part that we don't talk a whole lot about because it's the part we don't think we could ever get to. I think it's interesting. He says if you lack these things, that's these things, if these things are not abounding, you you lack these things, you're short-sighted, you're blind, you're forgetful. You're forgetful. But not just forgetful in general. He, he tells us what it is you forget. He, he says, if these things are not abounding, if you're lacking in these things, you have forgotten. But you have forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. You have forgotten what Jesus has done for you. You've forgotten what Jesus is all about. You've forgotten that Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross. Now, I think for the most part, there isn't any of us here that that likes to think it's possible for, for, for me to get to a spot like that. To forget Jesus? That, that would never be me. To forget that Jesus sacrificed himself? That, that, that would never be me. But you lack in these areas that's how you're living you may say that you're all about Jesus you may say you love Jesus and you appreciate what he has done but you lack these things you are shoving Jesus right out of the way you're shoving him right out of the way now we don't like to think that's possible but absolutely it is because Peter warns us he warns us about that. So listen, if we don't grow, we're going to be short-sighted. We don't want to be that. If we don't grow, we're going to be forgetful. We most certainly don't want to be that. So that gives us a reason on why we grow. Secondly, we grow because uh, Peter says if we do that, we'll never stumble. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? That sounds pretty good. Look at what he says in verse 10. Brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, again, making reference, If you do these things, you will never stumble. That sounds appealing, doesn't it? Certainly it does. Now, we've already talked about the blindness, right? If I'm blind, walking in the dark, stumble? Absolutely, I'm going to stumble. But I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to be because these things are here and they are abounding. And so because of that... Peter says, listen, you focus in on those things, you will never stumble. And so what's the point that he's making? Listen, if you are diligent to make your calling and election sure, if you add to your faith virtue, etc., etc., if you abound in those things, if all of those things are falling into place, Peter says, you won't stumble definition of that word is the idea of becoming wretched to be in misery and he says you're simply not going to be that you're not going to be that now is that interesting is that a, an interest of anyone it certainly is for me I don't want to be wretched I don't want to be in misery I don't want to stumble I don't want to do those things 
Well, in order for that to happen, God has told us. He's told us why, why we should do it so that we won't stumble. So if I lack these things, it just is now simple foolishness. Because I'm saying, I'd prefer to walk around in the dark. I'd prefer to be blind walking through life. I'd prefer to just trip all over myself spiritually. Is that what you would prefer? I I certainly don't prefer that. So why am I going to grow? Is because we'll never stumble. And finally, I'm going to grow because there's an entrance to the everlasting kingdom in place. Once again, verse 11. For so, as this sentence continues, an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So by possessing these virtues and graces, we can live victoriously in blessed anticipation for what lies ahead. That's not short-sighted. It's focused. I love this idea in verse 11. Lee talked about it a little bit in, at the Lord's table about we came up in class, in a Romans class, about how God doesn't do anything so-so. He doesn't do anything. And he gave me full credit, and I appreciated that. But all the points that I made came off of a comment that John Dispinette made, so he kind of got us moving in that direction. So I'm going to give him about 2% credit, and I'll take 98% on that discussion. But you look at what he has right here. An insurance will be supplied to you abundantly. That's how God operates. That's how he operates. It's a powerful passage. Is it a passage about growth? Absolutely it is. But it's not just on those pieces and things that we are to add to one another. There's moments in time for meditation on those things. But let us never lose sight of the how we do that or most certainly the why we do that. And as we close, I'll encourage you with this. You make a decision. Those whys, are they interesting for you? If they are, Second Peter chapter 1 gives you the layout on how to reach all of those things. You don't want to stumble? Second Peter chapter 1. You don't want to be blind, Second Peter chapter 1. You're interested in the everlasting kingdom, Second Peter chapter 1. It tells us exactly how to get there if these things are yours and abound. I appreciate you listening so well. Kayla is going to lead us in a song of invitation. It gives us an opportunity, as we've talked about, to consider our relationship with God. We've made the point already. God has indicated in every way that he possibly can uh, the desire he has to have a relationship with us. He showcased that. He showcased that in creation. He has showcased that in all the blessings that he provides to his people. John talked about that at length this morning. He has provided his own son to make that relationship possible. Because sin and God do not go together. Sin separates us from him. A sacrifice of his son, the spilling of that blood, coming in contact with that blood through baptism, washing our sins away, enabling us to have an incredible relationship with God. It's what he wants. He has already reached out. Now it's us.
decision time. What kind of relationship do we want to have with God? Maybe you've not started a relationship with God. We can help you with that. Maybe you've wandered away. You've pushed him aside as we've talked about tonight. What a great opportunity to pull him back. Maybe we can help. If we can, you let us know as we stand and sing.